Sometimes it seems like in church that we gather together and we go through a little program, a routine that we have planned, sit, stand, pass the plate, you know, and and rush out. And we have had the experience that sometimes right as it starts to get good with the praise and worship, it's over. Just as we start to respond to God, maybe in the message, we got to rush out. Have any of you ever experienced that kind of thing? Okay, yeah, all right, it happens. And I know that's kind of... Have any of you ever uh, been in a, a worship service where the Spirit of God, and you don't need to show me your hand or anything, but, uh, you know, I accepted Christ when I was 13 and have worshipped with a lot of different groups over the years because, again, we were raised Catholic and, and didn't actually know Christ until a, a summer camp experience for me and, and different things with my other family members. But um, worship with a lot of different people and have encountered, you know, the, the presence of God in some unique ways. Uh, some that were biblical and some that maybe pushed pushed the line a little bit. But to me, there's nothing better in the world than the presence of God. And this is what we have as the church, the glory of God, the presence of Christ. The world is longing for something to fill the void, the emptiness. We ourselves are longing for something transcendent. And I suggest that Christ is that thing, and and Christ Christ is that person. Christ is uh, the glory of God, and he's what we need. And I want to just ask that you would pray for me as we talk a little bit about how as a church we can get... Uh, closer to the glory of God and and learn how to stay there, how to linger there. All right, so bow your heads with me if you would. And and if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to just be silent a moment. I'd like to pray for you. And I'd ask that you would pray for me. You are the body of Christ in this church. And uh, your shepherd's not here, but I know he's praying that God will give you a word. And it's certainly my desire too. Uh, So if you would pray for me that it would be God and not me. And Father, we thank you that you're good. You're always with us. We thank you for your prevenient presence, always with us. But we also thank you for your cultivated presence. When we have prepared our hearts and confessed our sin, and we have taken time to draw close to you through praise and worship and prayer. And God, um, we desire your presence. Help us, Lord, to learn and understand your cultivated presence and even perhaps someday to experience your manifest presence. Uh, God, uh, we pray you'd be glorified in this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our church just finished a study called the Vertical Church. Uh, this is written by Pastor James McDonald of the Harvest Bible Chapels around town and, and all throughout the area. Um, what he's talking about is uh, rather than a horizontal church that focuses on people and what they want, a vertical church focuses on what God wants. What does God say the church is to be? Uh, certainly church is to be a place where we encounter God, where we hear him, where we experience him in his word. We we, we sense God speaking to us as individuals and even corporately. Um, and one of the things that James McDonald talks about in the book, Vertical Church here, the workbook, is um, the fact that we, we've kind of, in a way, we, we're our own worst enemy sometimes in the church. We have the best thing on planet Earth, the supernatural presence of the living God. 
And sometimes we substitute that for, uh, for lights and uh, action and, and, you know, just some surprise or some uh, stage performance. <laughs> and we don't really tune into the very best thing that we have. And it really struck me, and it went along with something that my wife and I have, have longed for for many years of a, of a deeper and closer experience of the Lord. And, and again, we have had tastes of that. We've had uh, God and seen God do things. And we know that we can't manipulate that or make that happen. God does what he pleases. He's sovereign and all that. But I am of the opinion that God is willing to give more than we are ready to receive. Oftentimes, we're the ones rushing through a routine when God's saying, hey, in our personal quiet time, slow down. I will actually talk to you today. Or he's saying to the church, hey, wait a minute. Are you just coming for your hour and a half? You're just coming and then, wow, did you really have any expectation of me showing up and doing something in in your lives? I, I, I suggest that honestly, so many of our churches today, there really isn't an expectation of anything other than what we have planned in our order of service. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We really can't find chapter and verse that says exactly how we're to do this thing, how, how we're to do a worship service. I know 1 Corinthians 14 might be some of the closest. He says, let two or three uh, prophets or preachers speak and let the others, you know, judge to make sure it's, it's doctrinally sound. And one brings a song and, you know, you spend time praising God and, and one brings a word of encouragement. Um, but we know that, you know, God is kind of directing that through the body. Uh, so, so just so, so we know that what we do as church is somewhat cultural today, even in Protestant, evangelical, God-fearing, Bible-believing churches like Cornerstone. I, I know uh, Pastor Paul is very sharp and sound doctrinally. Uh, he's, he's definitely well-studied and, and certainly surpasses me in that. Um, so I know what kind of church this is. We've talked, and I actually pastor a very similar church, elder-led, very um, gospel-centered, and, and um, we even are into some of the same authors and leaders. But I suggest that uh, as churches, even though some of what, even what we're doing sometimes is more cultural than scriptural, or it's more uh, just routine than spirit-led. And, and I know this gets into areas where we think, oh, we could run into danger, uh, you know, and I, I'm not suggesting that we uh, do anything that would not be completely in order and completely uh, along with God's will, but maybe maybe giving God a little more leeway to lead us. And one of the ways that we <clears throat> do cultivate his presence is through prayer, and, and that's one of the things I want to challenge you in, that in your corporate prayer times and in your personal prayer times, um, that you would take the opportunity to draw close to God during this season as you go into a new year. And I know that uh, Pastor Paul is going to be leading you in a week of prayer, the first week in January. And I know that Friday, um, I think 6 to 11, you guys are going to be gathering for prayer. Uh, wow, what if you came together? No big, you know, there's no real time constraint. You've got all that time to just wait before God and seek him for the new year. Um, how awesome that would be uh, to, to really maybe get a new direction from God. You know, uh, my wife and I uh, got direction from God one time. We were in a church split. Uh, 
I was actually the youth pastor at this particular church. This was about 20 years ago, quite a ways ago. And um, after the church split, we and about four or five other couples started meeting together in a home group. We were all just kind of licking our wounds, you know. We had all been hurt and confused through the church split. Didn't know who to believe or what to believe. And so, oh man, this life group was powerful good. I mean, everybody was sharing and being very authentic. Everyone was actually pretty mature in Christ and able to minister to one another. So our relationships were going deeper. We were using our gifts to, to care for one another. And nobody was in any big rush, and yeah, it was good. But it ended, and we kept meeting. We kept meeting, but God had moved on to something different. And we we need to hear him when he turns a corner, and we don't. You know, we just keep right on going straight, and God is, you know, here, here you know, he's, take, he's got something new. He's got something good. Every shepherd leads his sheep into new pastures, uh, good pastures, um, but we're on the move, following Christ. So it's a matter of hearing him and following him, um, and again, we're after, we're after God's presence, God's glory, because it's the thing we long for. We're fascinated by movies. Because we long for something transcendent, something fascinating. We, we long for something a little better than uh, the humdrum of, of life. So in the scripture, um, and this is not, as you can probably tell by now, this is not going to be a typical expositional message. Um, I just preached through the book of Ephesians at my church. But right now, I, I want to kind of do a more topical thing with you as we look at this question of... Uh, encountering God as a church, whether in a life group or on Sunday morning, whenever we're gathered together throughout the week as God's people, how do we really draw close to him? Is there something spiritual that can happen? I want to first just bring your attention, and we're not going to actually read a lot there, but in 1 Samuel 2 through 4, we read the story of Eli, the priest in Israel, who has become passive And he's just kind of going through the motions, routine church, if you will. And Eli has allowed his sons to become perverse. I mean, they're sleeping with women. They're stealing offerings that are not meant for them to eat. So a passive generation of priests, that's you and I, uh, leads to a perverse generation of priests. And it ends up being that the glory of God departs. And, yeah, that's one of Eli's daughters literally dies as she's giving birth. Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are killed in battle. Remember the story? They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the battle because they thought maybe that would help them win. They're fighting the Philistines. They bring in the Ark of the Covenant. They all get killed, and the Ark is captured. And... Eli's daughter has learned that her husband has been killed and the ark has been captured and Eli falls over dead in his chair and then she dies as she's giving birth and she says, name my son Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. Or she said, the glory has departed from Israel. And I I think Eli and his sons were ministering in that tabernacle, not even realizing God's presence had left them. For them, it was about getting their meals and about 
just kind of doing their job. And I, I admit, I have come to church, and I've been pastoring over, over the course of 20 years, and I've come to church sometimes just knowing, hey, the people are expecting me to have a message. Uh, this is my job. I need to have a sermon. And uh, so let's just do it. And it becomes routine. But as you look a little bit later in Second Chronicles uh, 5, the glory comes back to the people of God. Solomon has been obedient to build a temple for the Lord, and he's really following everything that God wants. And in chapter 5 of 2 Chronicles, uh, verse 13, it says, The trumpeters and singers joined in unison, as with one voice, to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. And aren't you glad, by the way, that God is good? He doesn't have to be. No one's forcing him. No one's threatening him with hell. He's just good. That's who he is. It's his character. And his love endures forever. And they're praising God. They're really enjoying this. And can you imagine, this is one of those little songs that they sing it over and over again, kind of like some of the modern praise and worship courses. We're singing this over and over again because we don't just want it in our mind. We want it in our heart. We want it in our spirit. He's good. He's good. Oh, God is good. He's actually good. And his love endures forever. That means his love endures my lukewarmness. His love endures my sin. His love endures forever. He's never going to stop loving me. He's never going to stop loving you. That's good news, right? And just be reminded that the Father loves you. His Son has made you pleasing, perfectly, completely acceptable to Him. The blood of His Son, Jesus. So here they are, they're praising God in this newly, brand new built temple. It says, Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. <laughs> Manifest presence. Glory of God. Visible. Shekinah coming down for us. For, for human beings. These people walked on two feet just like us. And you know what? They're old covenant believers. Yeah, surely Solomon had the spirit in him. But not everyone did. But today in the church, the Holy Spirit indwells every one of us who have received Christ as Savior and who's, who have been cleansed by his blood. His spirit is in us. He fills us. And so how much more here under the new covenant that's superior to the old covenant, how much more should we expect to see the glory of God? In fact, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, you can mark that down if you want to check it out. Um, it says the glory of the new covenant is greater than the glory of the old covenant. That's what it says. It says that it surpasses in glory. And so... Are we expecting glory? I, I really am not looking for a cloud to come down. 
But the glory of the new covenant is Christ. The glory of the new covenant is our love for one another. He said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Um, he says, you know, you'll do good works and, and glorify your Father in heaven. You'll shine uh, like lamps. Um, so this is, this is what I want, want to see in us. And, and surely, certainly the presence of God. Um, as we travel on here in the scriptures, you come to Ephesians. And I see some neat things here in Ephesians. If you want to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19, he says, Ephesians 2, 19, he says, Consequently, you, speaking to a local church, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, I like these last two verses, in Christ, the whole building, I believe he's talking about the universal church in verse 21. In Christ, the whole building, Jew and Gentile, everybody together in context, all the nations, Gentile nations, Everyone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then I think in verse 22, he turns and speaks to the local church at Ephesus and he says, And in Christ, you too, Ephesians, you too are being built, being, it's undergoing, it's ongoing, you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We, plural, he's talking to us. Yeah, the Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Thank God. But the Holy Spirit in a unique way comes and dwells among us. Together, the church. The body of Christ. It's fitting that the spirit of Christ would be in the body of Christ. And that is what we are. Like living stones, we become a temple filled with the presence of God. That's his picture of the local church. And it's so powerful, he goes on and, and throughout Ephesians. And it's just amazing. And uh, one thing we see is there are two apostolic prayers in the book of Ephesians. And go to chapter 3, verse 14. You'll see the second of the apostolic prayers. And think about this for your week of prayer. If you're in your personal devotions, anytime that you don't know what to pray for the local church or for yourself, pray an apostolic prayer. These are prayers that bring the, the glory of God down to where we live and bring the presence of God. Look at what he says. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and by the way, the carryover of this uh, for this reason in verse 14, it really goes back to what we just said. Paul started to say for this reason in chapter 3, verse 1, but then he said, oh yeah, I got to tell you, I'm a prisoner, and you know, he gave some other stuff. But then he says, for this reason, and it really goes back to the fact because we're a dwelling place for God's spirit, because we are together this spiritual tabernacle, dwelling place for God, 
He says, for this reason, I bow my knee before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints. And it may be that he's saying together, gathered together with the saints. Consider that and the way you interpret this passage. Maybe he's saying that you, when you're gathered together with all the saints in the local body, that you would have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled, not with a cloud. And we're not talking about some temple or tabernacle made of skins and goat hair woven together. No, he's talking about now us, the living, breathing church in the new covenant. He says that you may be filled Not with a cloud, but with the fullness of God. He's already said that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That we can actually become and be the body of Christ, functioning with each gift, each member. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds like something that God uh, can use in a society that is, is just decaying and declining all around us. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 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 us corporately, to him be glory in the church. Glory in the church. Glory in the church, he's saying. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever. And ever, amen. Guys, we're the ones responsible for the nation. We're the ones. We are the body of Christ. We moan sometimes and groan about how bad people are getting in society and how far declined our morals are becoming. And and we complain about government and governing officials. They're lost. They're slaves to sin. They're spiritually dead and blind. They can't see. We're the ones that have eyes and ears and the Spirit of God inside us. We're the church in the nation. We're the ones that got to lead the way. We're the salt. We're the light. But we have given up our glory. We've tried to beat the world at their game. Oh, let us educate. Let us fascinate. Let us entertain. How about let's take people to God? Let's be the church that encounters God together. And when people come and visit us, they say, Surely God is among you. God is with you. So a vertical church is getting back to a focus on God and what He wants pleasing him what honors him it's not just what and here's the crazy thing we think well if we get too spiritual if we get too fanatical if we get too emotional too wound up about god where the lost will think we're weird and they'll never come hang out with us in our churches and i i don't believe that 
I don't believe that God would lead us in a direction that is not going to win the lost. The lost will encounter the presence of God and they will say, this is what I've been longing for. Those who have eyes to to see, those who have ears to hear are going to say, this is what I want. They're going to smell the fragrance of life, not death. God will well up inside of them and they will see Christ and he'll be irresistible to them. But we're not giving them Christ. We're, we're reducing Christ. We're reducing the message so often. It's a man-centered service instead of a God-centered service. And so let's rethink. I ask you to consider uh, your life group, consider your, we have life groups at our church too, same name. We're thinking about changing them to care group just so we can get on a new wavelength and maybe try a, a new way of relating to each other, something a little fresher. Guys, a name is only a name. But are we, are we expecting God? Are we going after God? And that's a question you've got to ask yourself. I've got to ask myself. Isn't it time? Isn't it time to come back to the Lord? Isn't it time to draw back uh, close to the Lord? Isn't it time for a personal awakening? Don't you, don't you long for those good days you've had in personal devotion time, in church, in small group? God will sovereignly pour out his spirit when he's good and ready, but we need to show a little initiative in, in as much as his Holy Spirit inside of us will grant, which I think is so much more than we realize. So it's hunger for God. It's a hunger for glory and transcendence and saying, we don't have to rush out of our time together or our time alone with him because the things of this world aren't satisfying us. And if they could, they, they would have by now. But the world isn't enough. God has the, the deep and rich things for us. He, he's spiritual. And I think it's a fascinating thing that if you ask the average person in our communities around us to say, uh, you know, if you really wanted to get uh, develop a spiritual life, you know, where would you go? Probably uh, Hindu temple, probably, uh, you know, any, go online and look for transcendental meditation or some Eastern mysticism. Most people, when they're thinking of spiritual, most people, unfortunately, are not thinking of our churches. As crazy and sad as that is. <laughs> uh, I remember a pastor friend of mine, he said uh, <laughs> one day he was uh, having a great time with the Lord and he says, oh man, I got to break off my time with God. Uh, we have service tonight. I've got to go uh, perform church service. That's, how, that's what happens sometimes to us. I think it happens to all of us. We We have our plan. So I'd ask you and encourage you uh, to to get alone with God in your own personal private prayer time. Consider the apostolic prayers. 
I know that uh, Pastor Paul has been preaching about the life of David. Talk about the, the heart of a man after God. Um, you know, what a beautiful example. David spent so much time. He said, you know, this is what I long for. That I, uh, Psalm 27, you know, one thing I desire that I may dwell in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. See, there's satisfaction there. And it's better than marijuana. It's better than alcohol. It's better than demonic spirits at a witch's coven, if they even show up. It's the Spirit of God. And guys, it's available to us. Brothers and sisters, let's be spiritual. Let's have a hunger for God. And let me just tell you, it requires some confession. And I'd like you to bow your head with me. We're not quite done. I just want to lead you to a good start and a fresh beginning. Honestly, we have trifled, I think, with holy things and Maybe like Eli, uh, we've been passive and we've taken some things for granted and trying the old familiar way and God has moved on. And so sometimes we do need to come before him and I ask you to just bow your head and close your eyes and to just say, God, forgive me if I've taken you for granted, if, if I've been coasting and haven't really been listening and maybe I've committed sins of omission or I've been disobedient or just just disrespectful and irreverent of you um, would you go before God and and in your own words uh, if God is saying something to you this morning and that's personal that's between you and him and it may be on a family level I haven't even mentioned your marriage or your family but maybe God is speaking to you there uh, wherever it is uh, return to the face of your God. It's so easy to lose our first love, and I, I think the way to get started on the right foot is confession and repentance. Turn away from the worthless things that have captured your attention. Uh, turn around from that carrot on a stick and return to the face of your God. I'm going to give you a chance to do that and let you and God connect and confess and repent. Oh God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. I know silence can be a little awkward for us, but that's okay. Silence is, is golden, I believe, to God. Let's be still and know that he's God. Give him an opportunity to speak to you. And, and again, hey, I know, I know we're saved and we've received Christ, but we do need to continually repent if, if we've taken him for granted and and I myself do it repeatedly, and I just ask you to get that fresh cleansing as I'd love you to have a fresh start. If God has spoken to you, do that right now. This is your time. Oh, Father God, you see your church. We're your bride that you dearly love. You want a glorious church. Your glorious end-time bride, every spot, wrinkle, and blemish will be removed. God, we want to be a part of your true church. Not those who shrink back. 
God, but those who show signs of true and lasting conversion that once we're truly with you, we're always with you. And, and God, we come to you and ask that you would make us all that you died for us to be. Let us live, God, for, that, for your glory, for the fullness of what you have. Let us be obedient in the little things, the ordinary. Let us be ready for the glory and have an openness to what you might do. And God, I thank you for the people, Lord God, here of Cornerstone through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to show you one last passage. It's in Hebrews chapter 10. You know, he's, he's talked about the power of the new covenant. And he's talked about they had a priesthood. We have a high priest. We are all the priests now. They had a tabernacle, physical tabernacle. We have the heavenly tabernacle. That's where our priest sits. He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's perfect. He's seated there. And he comes to us in And he talks about how this sacrifice of Christ and the cross has once and for all cleansed us from all our sins if we say yes to him. I encourage you, certainly, if you've never done that, to pray with someone on the prayer team or come and talk to one of the elders or their wives if you know that you don't really have Christ in here. But look what he says to the church then in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 19. He says, Therefore, brethren, Since we have, you know, that's that word for men and women in the church. He says, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Remember how the curtain separated the most holy place, but now it's Christ's body that opens the way into the presence of God now and the presence of God in heaven in eternity. He says, we have this way through the curtain, his body. And he goes on in verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. There's no condemnation. Don't let any sin hold you back. Don't let your history, your past stand in the way. Christ died for you. Cleanse you from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, the water of the word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider, let us think about it. Spend some time during the week. How can I spur my brothers and sisters on toward love and good deeds? And then he says, let us not give up meeting together. Right here, what we're doing here. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. All the more. All the more as you see the day approaching. 
A lot of us are talking about, and I think we have more reason than any prior generation, to talk about Christ coming in our lifetime. Perhaps he'll come. Only God knows. But there are signs that would say, yeah, Christ could come. And he says that as you see that day approaching, all the more we're to be spurring one another on and encouraging one another in love and good deeds. And all the more we should be meeting together. Remember, they met from house to house. They met daily in the temple courts. And so there are seasons of time when God pours out his spirit. Let's get ready. What if God were to pour out a time like that? Would we know how to respond? If God visited us and wanted to say something to us some Sunday. And I've had those services where God, uh, we didn't want to leave. It felt like there was a little more that God wanted to do. And sometimes we knew how to roll with that and sometimes we didn't. But God is gracious and forgiving. But what if we get into a place and we begin to hear God and, and meet together and something out of the ordinary happens and it's not just business as usual, but we're seeking God. He's responding to our prayers. He's given us the grace to pray. He's taken initiative by blowing in our midst by His Spirit. And we're responding to everything that He does. That's my prayer. We can't be those who shrink back. We can't be those who grow cold. We've got to be those who press on and press closer to God. And I encourage you as you finish out the year, as you go through the holiday season, as you go into your week of prayer, that you'd be a church seeking hard after God. You have the gold. You have the, the message once and for all delivered to the saints that this community so badly needs to hear. Say